Welcome to the For Evansville podcast, where we talk not just about living in Evansville, but being for Evansville. And we bring guests on to talk about how the things they're learning and doing are contributing to the overall flourishing of Evansville. So today I've got Alicia Sheridan, the CEO of Building Blocks, with me, sharing her insights on why early childhood learning is so crucial for the growth and development of our community and the challenges we face in this area and just kind of some innovative solutions being implemented to address these issues. So let's sit back, relax, and join us as we just explore the important role of early childhood learning in Evansville. So Alicia, welcome. Thank you. We're so glad you're here with us. So first, let's just talk about building blocks in general for Mm -hmm. those listeners who don't know what it is. Okay. So um, building blocks has been uh, incorporated for 48 years, uh, but... About three years ago, we changed our names from 4C of Southern Indiana to okay. Building Blocks. Okay. Um, we were going through a lot of changes. Um, I came aboard around seven years ago, and the company just looks different than mm. it did in the past. It evolved okay. uh, for good reasons. You know, yeah. change is always uh, inevitable, and it can be great, and it has been great for the community, um, the services that we provide at this point. Uh, when I came on, we covered 11 counties in southern Indiana. We now cover okay. 28 counties. So oh. we go from east to west uh, okay. in, on the southern tip. So okay. um, very uh, intentional about the focus on early learning, uh, accessibility, affordability, and quality of the care in this area. So Evansville, would you say, has a problem with early childhood learning, or why why do you need to exist? Yes. Yeah. Um, So uh, Indiana does early childhood uh, much differently than a lot of other places. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so um, coming from a different state and being involved in other surrounding states, um, the makeup of how um, early learning is approached is different. And okay. when I came aboard, um, I did a lot of time just spending time at the child cares, um, okay. learning about what is high quality and what does that mean? Um, we're not a regulatory agency, so we're there okay. just to provide support. Um, the state is actually um, the holder of all regulations and um, the checking of all regulations. Okay. Uh, but we come alongside and um, in the affordability uh, area, we carry the vouchers for Vandenberg County. So meaning that if you are at a certain percent of the poverty level, then we're able to help get you uh, applied for and get a voucher to um, take your child to a high-quality facility or any actually any facility, but a high-quality is where we encourage everybody to take their children. Um, we also have referrals that we do, so that accessibility um, is a is a crucial piece right now you're hearing a lot about. We don't have enough spots or can't find child care. Sure. Um, a lot of new moms, even when mine, 23 years ago, when mine were level, mm-hmm. um, you couldn't find infant care. You know, right. it was I moved back in the area from Lexington and um, searched high and low for somewhere to take my child mm-hmm. as an infant, as a one-year-old. And yeah. they're just, you had to be on legacy list. Uh, yeah. yeah. And new moms and dads, they know this. You know, they're sometimes surprised by it. Um, but yeah. <laughs> they're, it's not a new problem. It's right. just been highlighted uh, recently. There are extreme staffing shortages right now in the field. Okay. And so that's making it all across the board. A difficult thing. Mm-hmm. So um, even our preschool and our toddler areas were just having a difficult yeah. time keeping classrooms open due to the yeah. fact that there aren't people to staff those areas. The pay isn't very high. Um, sure. You know, uh, children are our greatest gift given to us as parents. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 
infant care can be upwards of $225 a week. Yes. And so, you you know, you have to start making choices. Do I do I take them to a child care or do I stay at home? You know, right. is it going to even, will I make enough money to even cover the cost of child care? Um, but there, that, that's where we focus on that last bucket is okay. the quality. Um, so you want your children to be exposed all day long. You want to take your children somewhere to where you know they're safe. You know you can go to work or go to school, whatever you're doing, um, and know that your children are being well taken care of mm-hmm. and that um, they're doing fun things during the day. Right. What parents don't know to understand is that 90, 85 to 90% of the brain growth happens before the age of three. So everything that's happening to that child during the day when they're with you or when they're not Mm -hmm. is growing those synapses, putting those things together so that um, things that we don't use get pruned. You know, you you heard the old adage, yeah, use it or lose it. Well, that's what's happening in a baby's brain. It is actually pruning away things that aren't being developed. Um, So if you aren't talking to your child or reading to your child, some of those things are being taken away. Um, The... A child at one year of age usually takes their first step. And people can usually say, yep, I know. That's when they they first start walking. (laughs) They also say their first word about a year old. Mm -hmm. However, at one year of age, they also understand upwards of 1,500 words. Wow. Yes. Okay. So, you know, sponges, they're taking everything yeah. in, reading to them, talking to them, exposing them, you know, take them to the grocery store and talking to them mm-hmm. while you're at the grocery store. All of those things are having impact on that child. So when you're not with them and you, you have to go to work or you have to go to school or you just choose to put them in an early learning center, right. you want to know early learning and intentional instruction is happening. Yes. Um, you don't want to make it push down kindergarten. You don't want it, you know, right. you want it to be developmentally appropriate, but you also want it to be intentional. So we're trying to help parents as well as our educators in the community um, on giving the tools to them to be able to do that. Okay. Yeah, I have a 15-month-year-old right now, <laughs> and we're we're seeing that and exploring daycares and child cent- learning centers and mm-hmm. all that, but you're right, it's you're paying a lot. You're mm-hmm. weighing those costs. It's, um, but it's like the whole community. There's a whole community, you know, even on Facebook of of moms looking for this care. And you you mentioned that it's been highlighted recently, mm-hmm. but it's always been a problem. Why do you think that is? I, I think COVID had a lot to do with um, being able to choose between remote working mm-hmm. and uh, having your children in childcare. Yeah. So a lot of the business community, a lot of the people who are trying to decide where funds go um, yeah. have started to look closely at, okay, what is our need? You know, we have different counties right now saying, oh, well, you know, uh, we've got 2,300 kids under the age of five that need childcare. Well, not all of those children need childcare. So mm-hmm. it's really looking at your data and understanding the actual need. Um, closed classrooms, essential workers, all of those things became a, a pick right. and choose thing um, to where it was like, I can't even work from home if I've got a four-year-old under my feet all day long. Right. <laughs> I right. still have to oh, work yeah. for them to go to bed, you know? <laughs> yes. So, um, so there, you know, again, it's, it's something that I think as parents we knew, mm-hmm. I think as people who were employing young mothers or um, parents of the uh, childbearing age, that it yeah. was already something that was people knew of. I mean, yes. on average, we have nine days of absenteeism in the workforce um, okay. due to childcare issues. Mm, yeah, And so um, then things like second shift care comes up. But then when you start digging on the data, 
People don't typically use second shift care because they would rather have their children when they get off at seven, eight o'clock. Right. They'd rather have some a brother or a cousin or a grandparent pick the child up, mm-hmm. have them at home and ready for uh, them when they when they do arrive right. home. Right. So, um, yeah. So I feel like there are some obvious, more obvious reasons of why we should care about early childhood learning, and those are what you're talking about as job access and affordability and um, like the all of your learning, you know, brain development happens at such an early age. But what are kind of more of the unseen consequences of not having this kind of care for children? And how does it affect not just the parents that are trying to figure this out, but the city? Mm-hmm. Um, there's... It, it's the short-term versus the long-term impacts. Okay. Um, short-term impacts is your workforce, your current workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, you dips in, you know, choices yeah. of those types of things. Um, short-term of what are your children, even though it's not short-term, when they start kindergarten, are they ready for school? You know, um, and when if all that brain growth is happening early and there's something that there's there's a gap widening that's the best time to catch it i mean yeah. you want to be able to identify those things then and if you're a first time mom or even if you're your every child is different so mm-hmm. you can't compare one child to another but if you've got a boy and a girl they truly mature differently. They acquire sure. things differently. And so you may not know as a parent that any, there's any concern until they walk through the kindergarten doors mm-hmm. if you don't have access to some quality care right. um, that can identify those things and help you as a parent to what do you do next, you know. Yeah. Um, we do referrals. So right. um, we talk about their, the accessibility. We can um, we have a database that you can Call us, email us, and you can say, you know, I want it within 10 miles of my house. I want it to be a level three or four. I want to these hours for it to be opened. Um, and then I want, you know, X, Y, or Z. We put all of those into our database, and then we produce a list for you that meet those qualifications. So that it narrows that list for you to be able to visit those particular places. Okay. Okay. So it seems like a cyclical problem mm-hmm. that – doesn't seem able to be solved because childcare is too expensive for people to afford. But you, to have childcare in place, you need to pay the employees, the childcare workers, more because they leave the turnovers high. So, but then that drives the price high. So, how? Is there any sort of relief there? There's there's a lot of focus at the state level to okay. work on infrastructure to determine okay. how to do this. I mean, we can solve and do some Band-Aid things locally, okay. and, and those attempts are being made. The business community is talking about those things. However, it still goes back to until you change the infrastructure, you can't sustain that level mm-hmm. um, throughout years, you know, you could, but you're right. you're really digging deep into some other pockets and budgets yeah. to be able to do that. Um, HR departments and larger corporations around here are looking at, okay, how do we do this? How do we provide benefits to those who don't qualify for vouchers mm-hmm. but still don't make enough to, to for it to be advantageous for them to yeah. work for us? Um, we are we ha- Vanderburgh County Evansville has 
one of the strongest business community support systems for early childhood. They are truly looking at mm-hmm. and go, and diving deep into. I, I couldn't be more proud to be a part of a city who cares that much yeah, about that current awesome. workforce and their long term workforce. So that that that's where the tide is changing as well. You know, we talk okay. to businesses and say, you know, if even if you want to invest, if your current issue and the reason you want to invest is your short term workforce, why don't we do it this way? In order to make sure your long-term workforce, when you probably won't be here any longer, but that workforce is stronger. And that starts in early childhood. So, you know, if you're going to invest into um, a certain childcare, have certain expectations of what your your impact is going to be. Measure some student outcomes. Determine what those things are going to look like. And that's that last branch that you have the information on there um, Mm -hmm. is that quality piece. You know, what yes. What do we do? What do we expect? You know, um, let's take your 15-month-old, for instance, right mm-hmm. now. Boy or girl? Girl. Girl. Mm-hmm. What is she doing? You know, it should. what should she be doing? Do you know that as a parent? You know, we, right. we, we, before we have the child, we're like, oh, the what to expect when you're expecting. And we know all of <laughs> yeah. these things. Right. But then when they're born, the reality is you've become a parent and right. you, you know, you're not sleeping. You're not, right, right. <laughs> you're trying to get, trying to get you and someone else ready and going somewhere. So what do you know about, you know, how, how do you focus on those things? And so we started with um, school readiness. We started with three and four year olds in um, 27 sites and we started okay. looking at, okay, do they have the tools as educators to do true early learning? Mm-hmm. Um, there are 36 objectives There's um, that we look at and say, where are the children at three and four on these particular areas? Yeah. For instance, um, what 20A is a math concept. It's easy to describe. Lots of kids, three mm-hmm. or four of the parents say, oh, look, they can count to 100, you know, and that's called right. rote counting. And that okay. is, um, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But then you put a handful of forks in front of them and ask them how many forks they have. Can they object count? Can they tell you one to one correspondence? Yeah. Um, what we see is math is a weakness in some of our children. And so they're doing great in literacy. They're yeah. doing great in their social, emotional, you know, they get along, turn take with their peers. Uh, self-help skills are great. They can zip up their jacket. They can put their shoes on, uh, hang up their backpack. Um they're reading the, the not reading. They're identifying um, pr- environmental print like the McDonald's sign, you know, things oh, right. like that. Yeah. Uh, but they just cannot count those forks. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to count one to one correspondence. Well, instead of worrying about, you can teach that child in every other area except for math. You're going to have to do something a little bit different. And okay. if they're truly doing collecting the data on the children and looking at, it, they can say. You know, little Johnny, he's three. He should be counting those forks, but he's not. So mm-hmm. let's do some small group activities with him. Let's count blocks with him. Let's do the and be very intentional about the math. He's getting the rest of the teaching like everybody else, but let's do a small group with him on that. Then uh, we send something home through a, a product called Ready Rosie. We send home to the parents Quick little vignettes. We we tease about it being parental TikTok. Okay. So the company that does the curriculum also makes this product. And um, the teacher, the educator in the classroom can say, you know what? Little Johnny's mom today needs to get a couple one-minute videos of things she can do on 20A. So okay. that will be sent to your phone. And then you just watch it. And it, it'll be a, an example of a mother who is setting the table that night for dinner. 
and then we'll say, little Johnny, can you come in here? I need you to put the forks on each of the napkins and count them with me. And then they count one fork, two fork, oh, okay. three fork, four fork. It doesn't cost the parent anything. Um, it, it teaches the skill. And the parents then understand, oh, my child should be doing these things. Right. So I'm going right. to count more. Whenever I get three apples at the at the grocery store, I'm going to put them in the bag. One apple, two apple, three apple. Mm-hmm. Let little Johnny help count. Um, and then also, we know on the back end did the parent do it? Were they engaged with it? You know, mm-hmm. those types of things. And another skill is being taught. Yeah. So very, we're very excited about that opportunity to actually have the parents help teach the children and yes. extend that learning on things that are just quick and simple and um, no cost to them. Yeah, that would be so helpful. To well, not, to know you know, you're not sense. reading those papers that come home in a folder. <laughs> right. I'm right. not crafty at all. And so I would get, you know, in my little red folder every Friday, here's all the things you can do with their kids in the four or five pages. And I'm thinking, we're taking a bath. We're getting right. ready for school tomorrow. Yeah. And lunch is packed. Yeah. Right, right. So that's great. So you were talking about some studies. There was one that we were talking about building with you guys, building blocks and Potter's Wheel and their uh-huh. bull pups program. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Carver Elementary. Can you talk about those studies and kind of outcomes? Yes. Yeah. So um, a lot of the work we are working with the University of Chicago um, okay. and Dr. Heckman, who is a Nobel Prize economist mm-hmm. who focuses on the return of investment uh, for the communities around okay. early childhood. And um, so the project that we're working on ourselves is the bigger po- project. But um, Chris Fleming and I have spent a lot of time mm-hmm. speaking and talking, who's over Potter's Wheel. Yeah. And she said, Alicia, I'm really working on our community. I want to invest in this geographical area right here. Yeah. Early childhood is part of that pipeline. What do we do? How do we, right. how do, we do this? And I said, Chris, give me some names, and and we'll start from there. You know, she started mm-hmm. Baby Bull Pups. It was great. It's a summer quick program to get the relationships built, to really talk to those parents about the importance of anything that's underneath their umbrella. And that's for students that, well, they're going to be students, so that's getting them prepped for school. Correct. Okay. Correct. But it it is quick. It is, you know, what they do with yeah. baby bull pups is just a short-lived thing. And right. she's like, it, I know it has to be bigger than this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, it is. Yeah. And, you know, in the community um, themselves, some uh, some very strong community members wanted to invest in building something okay. uh, for that those kids in the area. And um, that was great. You know, I'll help mm-hmm. support that any way that they wanted to and been through that process before. So, you know, yeah. how can I help do that? But it's going to be a five-year project. So I yeah. looked and said, okay, what do we want to do right now? How many kids do you have on your list that you know are living in this area under the age of five? Uh, Bethany was employed there at the time, and she said, uh, oh, I have 41. And she'd already oh, made those goodness. connections. She knew of 41 kids that we thought, okay, we've, we, what are we going to do with these 41? Yeah. Um, so we looked around in that area and found some already operational-ready already existing child cares that were involved with us with this pilot so that we knew that, okay, we can take some variables out. We could really say, did this investment mean anything? Did Mm -hmm. it matter? And uh, we approached one that was very open. Uh, She had two classrooms that had closed because of COVID and staffing. Okay. And she said, I said, if we can help open up these classrooms, if we can find a funder who will purchase the, the toys, the materials, all those things that you need in the classroom, um, would you be willing uh, to open those up? And she said, well, you know the issue. 
I said, absolutely, mm-hmm. it's staffing. Right. And uh, she said, let's see what we can do. And I said, okay. So then we started working with the parents. Paperwork is a big barrier, but a necessity. Yes. So we had a triangle of Carver employees, my employees, and then um, Potter's Wheel group. Okay. And then the the principal at Glenwood, you know, saying whatever I can do to help. These are good, my future students. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to help with this. Wow. Um, so the community cool. members came. We did a big um, rush, you know, trying to get everybody in. And and be excited about possibly coming. Got some students enrolled. Uh, then we started looking at the parents of those students. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. would you want to be a teacher in that classroom? Would you want to do that way? Mm-hmm. And we'll give you the tools in real time, but we're also going to help you with a two plus two program. So if you're interested in early childhood, then we're working with Ivy Tech and USI that we'll start it, and then while you're at work, we'll come in on your breaks, those types of things. And give you the education you need to get your bachelor's degree. Wow. And we'll pay for every bit of it through some diversified funding. Sure. And so then we thought, well, at least we'll retain them for four years. Even if they leave here, once they have the bachelor's degree, they've been with them for four years, which is a a long term in the child care world. Um, But quality, that goes back to quality and intentionality, quality and intentionality. Um, And with our kids that are of the social economically disadvantaged arena, the parents are working two to three jobs. They're Mm -hmm. trying their best, uh, but they don't have the tools either, you know? So, you know, but I've worked with doctors and lawyers that are like, I know what to do in my arena, (laughs) but these three and four year olds, I I don't know. (laughs) Tell me what to do with these kids. I love that you're, you know, bringing the parents along in the process Mm -hmm. and even saying, we're going to help you because helping you is going to help your children and helping your children is going to help you. And it's just, that's awesome. But you're also mentioning USI and Potter's Wheel and Carver and all these people, even Chicago, you know, like so many people working together. Yes. To make this successful. Well, let's go back to what you're doing here for Evansville. It -hmm. took me less than an hour to contact people that were, uh, wanting their their private funders for those classrooms, but yeah. they said, "Yeah, tell me tell me about this project. Tell me I want to put some stipulations on it because I'm writing a check out for thirty thousand plus dollars to support these classrooms. But if I can, if if they're going to do the work that we see here, then absolutely we want to support that. Yeah. That's local people here in Evansville. Yeah, that is people amazing. who are hearing." the great things that are going on and want their community to be stronger and better. Mm-hmm. And they want to work through our community sectors, our families, um, so that they can have impact and they want to remain private. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's a beautiful thing to know that people aren't doing it with their hands out. Yeah. They're doing it to wrap around. Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. Um, and so that's what, that's what I want to talk about here is, you know, as we're talking about our, you know, kind of, purpose for this podcast is is to get people to not only be educated in these topics, but how can I be for early learning child mm-hmm. care? How can I be for my neighborhood, you know, yes. instead of, and ultimately, how can I be for Evansville and live in that way? And so you talked a little bit about businesses mm-hmm. investing in those, um, maybe even not the larger businesses, but even the, maybe the small business owners, yeah. how can they start Kind of pouring into that. Yes. Well, and there's two ways. Of course, there's always the monetary because this is a a large cost um, to to run. It doesn't cost the educators that we're working with and the families right now. Um, 
for their three years, it mm-hmm. doesn't cost anything. Okay. And so we are raising money as a nonprofit to make sure it's cost us around $24,000 a classroom for the three years. Wow. Okay. And, but it is their curriculum. It's their training. It's the coaching mm-hmm. behind it. It's the license for all of the, um, ready rosy pieces and things like that so that nobody's financially burdened until they could see if it works for them or not. Uh, But there is a greater uh, need, immediate need right now uh, that people can give. Uh, Single mom, I didn't have the money, even at church to tithe. You know, I I did, you know, I grew up with the the I'm a little old school, but ten percent tithing to the church. Sure, sure. Uh, but there were times that I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. So I wanted to give mm-hmm. up my time. I wanted to be yeah. able to give that. And volunteering for us is priceless. We okay. are really needing a, a group of volunteers, um, upwards of a hundred people. COVID really knocked us because wow. people okay. quit going into places, yeah. or you weren't allowed to go in places. Right. And so um, we have. Things at the office that are clerical for those who don't want to get involved with the littles, mm-hmm. uh, but those who really want to work with them, uh, we have a staff member that will be going into the classrooms so our teachers can leave and leave, not leave the building, leave, you know, just leave the classroom sure. so that they can look at their data and talk to one of our coaches about what their data is oh, saying, where cool. they want to okay. go through. And our lead staff member in the classroom can use three or four people at a time to be able to implement some food and nutrition aspects, Mm, um, some gross motor things and some reading that would be going on. So even if you could spare an hour a week, it would be a great help to the work that we're doing. Yeah. And they would be in the classrooms, interacting with those kids, building those relationships. That's really cool. So that's what my next question was going to be volunteers. Like if the money aspect Uh you can't give, or I know that we're trying specifically to get churches to wrap around mm-hmm. early child learning. Mm-hmm. And so where can churches fit in, uh, you said people, mm-hmm. and are there any other ways to help alleviate, maybe not just giving once, you know, or big checks, but like just alleviate some funds mm-hmm. for these daycares? Um. There's always the consumable things, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, buying boxes of crayons here and there, you know, sure. those types of things. But um, as far as the churches go to become, yeah. um, if if they were, I did speak to one church about um, if you could pipeline your volunteers through us. You know, if you okay. if you had, yeah. if you decided that, um, you know, um, April is volunteer giving month for early learning. Yeah. So everybody sign up for that month. Then we could coordinate it on the back yeah. end so that we could utilize whoever can give in that way. Okay. For churches, I think that um, people come with a big heart wanting to give and wanting to do. Sure. Um, sometimes you just can't give that time. You know, sometimes yeah. you're like, I'm a mom, I'm working, you know, I'm a dad, I've yeah. got X, Y, and Z going on. And so um, it's it's those kinds of things that we know that volunteering sometimes might be hard, but mm-hmm. we have six to six child cares open, you know, right. or we have things that we want to put together, you know, work bags and things like that, that we could even say, here are all the pieces. Can you put it together and bring back to us? Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, so things yeah. like that, that again, coordinating through a church would be very helpful. That's, that's great. Let's talk about that year. There's like a one year test. With 16 students, there's some data in students? So, so we, uh, we do have 16 students that are working through this pilot program. Right now. Um, yeah, right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, but it is, um, 
it's more than just we don't want to test kids like what you're thinking you know in in elementary school where they take a pencil and paper test sure it's ongoing assessment of those children we create a baseline so we do about um seven instruments uh, to the classroom we administer them in the classroom and with the individual students um, and get create a baseline for where the children start and then after the year of implementation of the curriculum and monitoring and those types of things then in the the spring we reevaluate and see how much uh, impact was there Mm -hmm. Um, our i shared recently um, the data on the teacher education and effectiveness um, the site level effectiveness and then our student outcomes for that first year with those 1200 kids were statistically significant. So we showed that yes, this works. Yeah. Implementation okay. of it does make a difference. Uh, we're working very closely with school districts right now. Okay. Um, because as much as we want children to become ready for school, mm-hmm. the schools have to be ready for the kids that they're getting. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. little Johnny who's having problems on 20A, yeah. if we can let that kindergarten teacher know that he has struggled with this. He's made so many gains, but he still needs a little bit of help in math. Mm-hmm. Then that teacher has a leg up whenever he starts in kindergarten that, okay, we're not going to miss any ground here. Right. You know, I need to pay attention whenever I'm doing any of my math lessons that he's getting it, that he's yeah. made, you know, those types of things. And so we want to be very um, strategic and speak kindergarten language mm-hmm. in order for them, for it to be of any meaning to them, for them to want right. the information that we hold. So, okay. So let's let's dream for a minute uh-huh. that if this issue of let's say everyone had access to affordable, great early mm-hmm. childhood learning, and we saw that problem solved for our city's kids, what would our city? Can you dream for a minute of what our city could potentially look like, or what mm-hmm. kind of impact would that have on the entire kind of ecosystem of our communities? Yes. Um, well. Again, it's a long-term impact, so you're going to be looking at a workforce 15 years from now that is much stronger. Um, Not only, you know, a lot of people start with the social-emotional aspect and the routines and the rules, the hidden agendas of a school when you start Mm -hmm. kindergarten, Um, and those are essential things. But think about the fact that these gaps that are identified. um, I had a a board member come to me seven years ago. I cannot believe her son's about to get his permit. But she came to me and she said, you know, I was in high-quality level four childcare. I have the resources to put around my child. And she said, I didn't know till second grade that he was having trouble whenever they started prepping him for the I read, I lead test. And she said, I wish I had known. I wish somebody could tell me because I would have saved so much time and energy by investing early on. Um, The amount of time that's put in kindergarten retentions, um, kindergarten special education referrals, you would be saving a great deal on that cost. Um, But your community as a whole just becomes stronger because mm-hmm. there's that positive of we all know our strengths and weaknesses. Think if you knew that early, early on. Mm, Think yeah. about the fact that you could know, okay, yes, I've got to grow and get stronger in this, and I'm developing strategies at this age to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. I have people that care about me and wrapped around me to make this a stronger place. Yeah. And people wanting to return. Think about we had a company move in from Seattle, um, and one of the People on the board here, knowing that they were moving them in, brought us in to do all those referrals. They wanted to know. Uh, we, the Over half had young children mm, relocating yeah. to this area. If wow. you can boost and, and boast about your child care systems, mm-hmm. people are going to relocate here. People want yes. to come here. You know, we're looking in Warwick County, same kind of thing as their population growth expands 
What are we bringing back to our area? When we have people leave, go off to college, go off for other jobs, how do we draw them back? And this is one of those major things. You know, we had a, a family move in here from North Carolina when I first started that said, you know, I look around and this isn't the quality that I'm used to. Yeah. And they chose not to stay, you know. And mm-hmm. so, and it was, I mean, like I said in the beginning, you have a 15-month-old. They are the greatest gifts we'll mm-hmm. ever get. And yeah. we're not, we won't, we won't turn our backs to the fact that we need that quality and right. that level of, so it's twofold. It's both your city yeah. will look great because you can attract and look, have stronger elementary schools because of what you're getting entering mm-hmm. and starting at that yeah. level. Yeah. You you don't, you know, sometimes we just need people like you to help make those connections that early childhood learning can affect the retaining of employees and building our economy and mm-hmm. boosting that yeah, on an attractional level. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, like just kind of the learning how to keep people here and yeah. what makes Evansville great and seeing that as yeah. uh, it is a great place to live and, and work and raise your kids. But there are issues like every other place. Yeah. But well, that's that's great. There's a lot of national research about your investment in people versus mm-hmm. potholes, you know, okay. and that's what Heckman yeah. speaks a lot about. He said we spend a lot of time in the infrastructures of cities, the potholes on the streets, those types of things. But by reducing, you know, you're going to reduce your crime rate by investing in early childhood. You're going to reduce, you know, the the um, that what's the the familiar one um, that statistics show that a lot of cities look at their fourth grade reading rates to determine yes. how many prison beds to have. And so yeah, I was going to mention the the preschool to prison pipeline yes. that Evansville seems to have. Yes. And, um, and yeah. yeah, that's, it starts like yeah. you said in early childhood. And that, that see people are like, I, they can't make the inference for what happens there. And yeah. what it, what happened, we, we teach children to read up until the third grade and then third grade, it shifts. And when they start first, fourth grade, they're reading to learn. So if they miss it up until that point, then it takes off. And the learning, you know, the the separation, the gap even winds even greater uh, for those. And, you know, we were looking at some statistics on zip codes uh, and uh, literacy rates and the amount of people that are illiterate in Evansville. And it was okay. it was shocking to me. I did not realize really? that, you know, and okay. I and I work with parents who struggle with reading, yeah. um, but did not know the pervasiveness of it. And so, again, it goes back to you guys start that pipeline early. Sure. Mm-hmm. So is is that a, you know, a volunteer need as well? I think when you were saying that a barrier was paperwork uh-huh. and and now maybe a barrier is literacy. Maybe that that has to do with each other. You know, uh-huh. like there, yeah. There, the the issue around that is adults don't want to admit that they can't read, mm-hmm. and so yeah. they will they will avoid anything that has to um to that would call them out on sure. that. Uh, we help with the paperwork. We're very careful, you know, on um, how we do it. If it's yeah. read to them, those types of things. But there are a couple of nonprofits in town that do work on literacy. Uh, yeah. for adults. Okay. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just, I am continually just astounded at how important it is that we all work together. Like you're saying, these nonprofits that can, you know, put their heads together and say, we have a barrier, but we don't have the capacity to teach everyone to read or, you know, help them get their education. But 
you guys do. That's what you focus on. We'll take care of the early childhood learning. You take care of literacy, you know, mm-hmm. those sorts of things. And so it's just so important. Well, I don't know. A few years back, the the buzz was uh, collective impact, you okay. know, and you heard that, yeah. that term a lot. Um, and we collaboration and collective impact are very close, but it goes back to what I told you before. When you identify an issue and we put it at the center of a table and everybody surrounds around it and doesn't say, okay, uh, you know, here's here's what I do. Here's what you do here. We look at it and we say, okay, how are we addressing this problem? And yeah. then we all take ownership of the problem and then walk away from the table to do our parts and come back together. And that's truly that working yeah. together. It takes yeah. a village. And it, that, does. Yeah. <laughs> it does. It does. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, any any last things you want the city of Evansville to know or any place that you see hope or you're excited about? Uh, it, just for Evansville existing. This this is really um, convened a lot of conversations, a lot of out-of-the-box thinking, yeah. and um, being able to, to be able to set with um Everybody that's on the ground all the way up to the CEOs of the larger companies here and everybody focused on the same thing. Very proud to be a part of the city. Well, thanks so much again. Hey, co-host Adrian here. And out of all the thousands of available podcasts, you're listening to this one because you love Evansville. Well, we obviously love Evansville too, but we can't tell these stories without the support of people like you. So before we get started with today's episode, we want to give you the opportunity to partner with our storytelling work here at For Evansville. Your donation will allow us to continue to share these unique stories about how people are working together to make Evansville a place where everyone can flourish. And the cool news is right now we have a $50,000 match, so any gift you give will be doubled. So help us complete the match before the end of the year by going to forevansville.org slash podcast partner, or you can find the link in the show notes. Thanks for being for Evansville.